No Sleep Till Belmont is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Islanders ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers and shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can also go on there and see the view from any seat that you want to pick in any section. Click twice, and all of a sudden, you'll have your tickets. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Howdy, Islander fans. This is Arthur Staple, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Belmont, the Athletics Islanders podcast. We come to you every week this time, wherever you can get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc., etc. And I'm joined, as always, by the inimitable Mark Parrish. What's up, my friend? I'm a hockey player. I don't know if you made fun of me or complimented me. There were a a couple of college classes in your past, though. You can... (laughs) Yeah, but gonna uh, have to, think, your kids are going to have like SATs coming up in a few years. You'll uh, you'll get back to it in like six years. You're going to look that one up and call me up and be like, "You that was nice, thank you." <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Otherwise, that's when mom's really going to have to earn the paycheck there. <laughs> so, uh, since we last uh, came together for this uh, for this Tuesday podcast, uh, the Islanders had two games, both wins four in a row now um and it's really by any means necessary kind of the way that they were successful last season under barry trotz that uh it's the score more score one more than the other guys uh (laughs) mentality and in winnipeg the the first period was definitely not pretty but uh, they came out of it down one nothing um and pulled out a 3-1 win and then in columbus over the weekend um had some really bad stretches in that game i think they had a a shift uh Pelic and Pollock were out there for three minutes, one shift in the middle of the second period there, although they didn't give up a ton of shots or chances. And then they pulled that one out in overtime. So, um, you know, you've seen them play now uh, eight games in their five and three mark uh, with four in a row, That none of which have really been a dominating performance of these four wins. But does that really matter this time of year? Not at all. Not at all. You're working towards every coach, every player, every team wants a perfect 60-minute game played. That's the goal. The reality is it rarely happens. Even when you get to the playoffs, the best teams in the league rarely play a 60-minute complete game effort. That's your goal every night. It doesn't happen. The goal, a more realistic goal is find a way to win. You want to keep your defense, keep with the structure that Coach Trotz has put into place this last year, and then score one more goal than, they, than the other team, more or less. And especially that the big number. And I, I, listening to Coach Trotz and uh, his post-game interviews and, and his uh, every other interview for that matter, the, the similarities between himself and Jacques Lemaire are, are flat-out scary. All he needs is a little bit more of a French accent. <laughs> and it'd be listening to Jacques Lemaire. It's all about you know finding that defensive structure keeping the other team two goals or less that was that was the thing you you make it as hard as you can on the other team you're playing against the best players in the world the most skilled hockey players in the world if you can be in the right structure and force them to make a play well you know what sometimes they are they're just going to make a play and they're going to find a way and then if maybe the other reason is that you can stumble and make a mistake here or there too but if you can keep them up to two and under the odds of you going up and winning a hockey game is uh, I can't remember exactly because it's been a few years and concussions, but in Jacques it was he had it around like seventy something, but it was an, it was an insane number. 
uh, that it was at. And that's what they've been doing. And they've been doing it on the road. And the, the to, to start out with at Winnipeg, the first period, more more often than not, on the road, you're weathering a storm. Whether it's the first five, ten minutes, the first period, you're, you're weathering that storm. And then you kind of get your legs going. And then you find a way to get that lead. You don't have to put on a show. You don't have to put on a great performance. All you got to do is get out of there with two points and move on to the next place. Well, uh, the Islanders don't have a lot of guys that can put on a show, but the one guy who can <laughs> has been putting on a show. And definitely in that Winnipeg game, Matthew Barzell was the guy that made the difference. He had both second period goals, um, one on the power play on a pretty wicked one-timer, which we don't see a lot of from Matthew Barzell. And then the last one, which was kind of the, the crucial one, not only to get the lead, 17 seconds left in the second period. He came down on a two-on-one with Leo Komarov, probably quite smartly kept that one and uh, <laughs> wired it uh, stick side bar down and uh, you know, then added another one, another sneaky good goal to open the scoring in Columbus where he kind of hopped onto a, a pop fly down the ice and, and went around Zach Orensky like he, was, he wasn't even there and slid one between the legs of Yunus uh, Corposalo. So... He's got four goals now in the season. They've all come in the last three games. Um, it kind of started, I think we talked about it, the one uh, in the Monday afternoon game where he just kind of tossed it into the middle in the <laughs> six-on-five late to tie it and banked off of Alex Steen and went in. And you said, you know, sometimes that gets it going, and he really has gotten it going. And the funny thing to hear Barry Trotz talk, he said it in Columbus on Saturday and said it again today after practice, is that, uh, that Matthew, he said Matthew Barzell changed his stick lie um, I'm sure he didn't change stick companies because there's some sponsorship deal involved. <laughs> yeah, it might I'm be sure. some dollar but, signs behind that one. Right, right, right. But he changed the stick, and I think it's it. Barry made it sound like it was sort of a collaborative effort that that there was some maybe some convincing that went on that uh, I, I can't think of the exact quote, but I'm pretty closely paraphrasing from today that Barry said with the stick he had last year he wasn't going to score a lot of goals, and I think to the average non hockey player like myself, you say. Well, what the hell does that mean? This guy knows himself. He's he's a superstar player. He's won a Calder Trophy. He's you know scored his first round pick. Uh, he probably knows himself pretty well. So when you hear that as a former player, and we certainly had that great conversation on our subscriber only podcast last Friday about you and your sticks and kind of the the, the multiple choice you used to play as a kid with your <laughs> with your sticks, uh, and that but that there are guys who are very finicky about them. What does that tell you when you hear that? How can you go from being a, a guy who's got a passing stick to more of a shooting stick? And can a superstar player like Matthew Barzell get comfortable with that sort of change that maybe didn't come from him? Absolutely, he could. And I, I, kindly, he's clearly showing that he has gotten comfortable with it, at least in these last four games. And I would assume if you're going to score four goals in three games, uh, I would try and save that same exact stick to last the entire <laughs> season if you could. Uh, probably going to break at some point. But uh, the big difference between a, a passing stick and a shooter stick is, uh, and this is why I, I, I last time, the, the lower the lie, that's that's a little bit more of a passer stick. Uh, it doesn't quite have the flex, the kick point. Uh, now, there are, there are plenty of, the, and I like that he switched. Uh, Ray Whitney was a guy that used a lower lie. Um, some other guys that I've played with that use the lower lie, but most of the time you can still pass with a shooter stick, but you can't really shoot as well with a passer stick. And the the guys that use a passer stick and there's defensemen, uh, Madano used a little bit lower lie. 
uh, were guys that they weren't necessarily coming in, you know, coming in tight. They were more on the outside, more of the perimeter. Now, granted, I think you could have given Madonna a marshmallow with a toothpick and, and <laughs> he would have been able to score goals. And uh, same with Ray Whitney. Uh, but with it, when you want to get those quick shots off, when you're in tight, uh, you want a higher lie. You can use the blade more as a little kick. You don't need to take up as much room and time and space in the NHL is everything. So if you can get a quicker, harder, more accurate shot off, it's going to help. You're going to get off more shots as well as it's just easier to get the puck up under the bar, to, to get it up over the goalie's shoulders. Nowadays, all goalies are butterfly goalies. They're all down first. Uh, you you got to get it up quicker and you got to get it up in tight. And it's just that much easier with a higher lie. And actually, as a matter of fact, um, I think it was uh, 2005 coming out of the lockout. Uh, I was using sticks and I was struggling the first uh few games on Long Island I couldn't figure out why there, I, there was times where I remember Yashin gave me I think it was in Tampa from behind the net and it was just I, middle of the slot all I had to do is just tap it in the middle of the net and I took this one time and I completely whiffed on it and I couldn't figure out how I missed that puck I, I could have sworn I mean maybe it was a little bit inside but there's there's no way I should have completely missed that puck and I went back and looked at my sticks and for some reason I didn't notice that that batch had a lower lie on it mm-hmm. So I went back instantly, went and, you know, I think I was using CCMs at the times and made a phone call, went back to my, you know, older model last year's. And then again, all of a sudden I could, I felt that shot come back. I wasn't nervous to take a one-timer anymore. I could feel it in front of the net because it was just, there were certain things just like as I was saying where the rebounds would come out and I, you know, I'm like, all right, just get it up over the pad. And I, and I couldn't even raise the puck and it was getting really frustrating and literally, it was as simple as changing, getting my lie back, just because it, it was just a, it was an accident. They didn't mean to do it, and I, mm-hmm. for some reason, didn't think to check. And it was so minuscule that I didn't even really notice so much on the ice until I went to shoot. And that's why I say, like, you can go back and use a, sh- a shooter's blade, and it's not going to make any difference whatsoever to you. And I'm glad that he is because a guy like Matthew Barzell, especially right now, with some of the stuff that injuries that that they're dealing with and the way they're having trouble scoring goals. Having a shoot first mentality as a player is huge. They have to respect that shot. Then, if the play opens up, if he has to make a pass, his skill, his playmaking ability can take over from that. But having a shoot first mentality as a hockey player keeps everyone on edge. Goalies can't try and cheat across for a pass. They have to respect the shot first. So I, I love the fact that Coach Trotz or whoever it is that convinced him to do that, to have that shoot first mentality. It's a, a, a healthy selfishness when it comes to shooting is a good thing in hockey. And it seems like, you know, I think the evidence that that one timer in Winnipeg, he was a guy last year and, and maybe this wasn't necessarily the reason that the power play was, was struggling so much, but he, he felt like he needed the puck on his stick on the power play, whether it was on the half wall or he was down along the goal line, wheeling around the perimeter like, like he likes to do. Yep. I think it just sort of made him a little a little too unpredictable. You know, unpredictability is good for you know to keep your opponent off off balance. But if you've got it for your teammates, then forget it. Nothing's good. Nothing good is going to happen. Worst so feeling think, on earth when you're guessing what your centerman and your line mates doing yeah. with the it's just a horrible feeling. Especially on a power play where you've got things diagrammed, you've got a built-in advantage, you've got to get things going towards the net. I think they were moving away from the net, and I think they felt like it bled a little bit into his five-on-five play. He, again, Barry was talking today about Barzell gets into the zone. He'd go to the free space, which is usually along the walls. And I think you know opposing defenses kind of knew what they were getting with Barzell. He'd get the yep. puck, he'd cross the line, maybe go you know a little east-west, get into 
you know, along the along the outside of the hash marks on the outside of the the dots and uh, and kind of get pinned along there. So you can you can certainly defend a guy a lot easier when he's trying to make a play and take you know take his time and, and close on him than if he's going through the middle and really causing some some serious havoc. So uh, you know I think that that has been another change that's gone along with with the physical change of changing his stick and and uh, and just seeing that one time already. He didn't have the puck on his stick. Josh Bailey lays one across to him and instead of corralling it and trying to figure out something to do with it, he just hammered it. And I don't think Connor Hellebuck knew what was coming because they, maybe they think this is a guy who usually holds onto the puck and it was uh it was a ripper. It looked like it kind of surprised Barzal himself a little bit too and uh and that was really the one that I think got his uh, got his juices flowing these last couple of games. Yeah, and and that another time and space in the NHL. The, the, a lot of times, if you do take your second to corral and then make it make a decision, you're giving a goaltender like Hollebuck, any goaltender in the NHL, you can't give them time. They're coming across. They read the play. They they're they're so quick now that you have to one timer and just you know the old Ovechkin and just damn it, hit it as hard as you can. So just beat them to that post. And if you add that element to the power play, like you said. It's going to keep everyone off guard. It's going to now all of a sudden the D-man, everyone is going to be sliding over thinking, holy crap, we can't give him that shot now. We don't want to, you know, don't worry about it's not so much getting low weight. He's just going to try and pass it back door to Lee or whatever he's going to maybe do or try and make another quick little move. Now with him, them having to respect that shot will open up the backdoor plays that he it, it's it's kind of counterintuitive in a way but that's how it works like he 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 wanted to make a play where at first all he had to do was establish his shot so they respect it and now he can make it adds an option and and one like you said it, it surprised him a little bit you you know the play and he knows he could do it in junior but he hasn't shown it that much in the NHL and it takes maybe that one time to realize holy crap Maybe I can just, when it comes over here, like I can just, I can be a shooter. I can lean on that. And it sparks this, this, uh, yeah, it just, it's, it sparks him into being more of a dynamic power play player and he'll have the confidence to do it moving forward. And like you said, the one thing that I've always felt, and I've said it in high school, uh, I talked to it about my daughters, the, the U12 team, when we get a power play is girls establish a shot. You've got to establish a shot on the power play, and it keeps everybody honest, and that's what Barzell's doing. And uh, and just one more on Barzell, something I noted in uh, in a numbers piece I just posted yesterday. Uh, there's three forwards in the NHL right now averaging over 18 minutes a game. Two, you could probably guess, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. The Oilers are going great. I think even if they're going terribly, those two guys would be out on the ice a lot, and you'd expect it. The third is Matthew Barzell, which is a big change from last year. I think he was under 15 minutes at 5-on-5 five five last year. So clearly he's earned the trust from Barry Trotz that maybe he was working towards last season. And clearly also this year with Casey Sezikis sidelined, he's practiced today. I assume he's on his way back, but maybe not quite for Thursday or Friday. Jordan Aberley's out. They're really leaning on guys like Barzell and Brock yeah. Nelson to carry the load 5-on-5 five five and... Uh, and like you said, you keep another team. You keep the team under two goals. Your opponent under two goals. You've got a good chance to win. The fact that they're doing that with their two best offensive centermen eating up a lot of the five-on-five five minutes is uh, is a big compliment to how far they've come under Trotz. And and you know, last year obviously they had a ton of success, but I think early on they were still trying to figure it out. They weren't playing this well. Uh, you know, mostly five-on-five. Five. They're giving up a lot of shots, obviously, but the goals against were not where they were 
eight games in the last season and everybody said, okay, well, they're figuring it out. Now um, they seem to know what they need to do clearly after the success they had last year. Nelson knows what he needs to do. He's kind of the guy that, that they rely on for faceoffs. But but Barzell being out there a lot makes a big difference. And, and like you said, you add that – you add that shot threat when he's on the ice, um, you know, it's, it's going to go a long way and it's going to keep him on the ice as well. So yeah. um, kudos to, to Matthew Barzell for figuring it out and, uh, and incorporating a new stick. Um, we also wanted to talk a little bit about the Islander success in overtime. They, they posted another OT win in Columbus, Brock Nelson with the OT winner off a nice feed from Nick Letty, 33 seconds in. I don't think Columbus had touched the puck except for the two seconds that Wierenski had it on a stick before Anthony Bavillier whacked it off after a rebound from Nick Letty's shot, original shot. The game against St. Louis was about, I think it was a minute 13 into overtime. St. Louis had one shot uh, and maybe about six seconds of possession time. And it's definitely a theme, probably one of the stronger themes of the Trots era. They're 8-2 and two in games that have ended in overtime. Uh, of those two losses, one was early last season against Florida, which was on a four-on-three power play against and the only other one was to Connor McDavid in Edmonton last year, which was, um, you know, they were a little bit loose with that game. And obviously Connor McDavid can make you a little bit loose on the defensive end. But <laughs> Just otherwise, <a> bit. <laughs> otherwise, you know, two two overtime goals allowed in, you know, 90 games total. Nobody's even close. I think four or five is the, is the closest total to yeah. them. When you watch them play three-on-three three overtime, do you see a team that's ready to just wing it and throw caution to the wind or do you see clearly they've they've worked on this and they've talked about it and they've dissected it and they're not just willing to, to let their talent run wild like a lot of teams do it seems it's 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 uh it's their commitment to the defensive side of the puck uh on the five on five game uh, magnified it's even harder to, to make that commitment. Three on three, there's so much open ice. That means one guy makes a mistake and it's an odd man rush or one guy gets you know taken out of position. And the one thing that I've noticed with them is that their commitment to the patience that they have. And now granted, if you, it's it's all about puck possession in, in the overtime. Once you get puck possession, well, then you keep puck possession and you just wait, wait, wait. And Eventually, hopefully, you're going to get that odd man opportunity or get that chance with so much open ice to, to finish the game. Uh, and that's where they, that's the part that not so much them being, they have the skill, the talent uh, of any, just like any other team, three on three, you got your best players out there, you got your goal scorers, you got your point guys out there. But when they don't have their puck, their commitment to patience, to the structure in the D zone to not give up those grade A scoring chances or grade A chances or their their structure in the neutral zone to kind of force uh, maybe one player or one skater to kind of try and make something happen where they don't show the patience that the Islanders have. There's their turnover and boom, they're right back on offense. So uh, it, it's if you watch, it's more impressive how uh, their structure is defensively and their commitment to the defensive side of the puck, whether it's the neutral zone on back to the D zone, and then that patience of waiting and having the confidence in their offensive and their skill, their ability, that once they get that puck, it's game over. Yeah, and patience, you it's, it's the key word, and I've heard that a lot from Barry Trotz, and even just patience in getting their big guys on the ice. I think mm-hmm. the St. Louis game and, and the Columbus game, they didn't even get get to the point where they needed to change their first three are nelson beauvillier letty letty's obviously out there for the wheels and he can handle himself defensively but nelson beauvillier are basically their top two checking forwards right now 
Nelson's their face-off guy for the most part. They're looking to win the draw. They're not looking to produce a goal and just go steaming down the ice. They're looking to get that possession. And and I think with the long change that they that they enacted for for three on three a couple of years ago, it really works to their benefit with how strategic they are. They they've got yep. the puck. They've got the puck. They're waiting, maybe waiting for an opponent to get tired out. I think they they do a lot more circling in the neutral zone in overtime than than some other teams that are looking to just go go go. And Barzal's ready to jump on at the first no, you know the first chance that he can. Yeah. I think that St. Louis game you saw Nelson kind of backed off and and almost you know weakened Petrangelo with a shot that kind of caught him on the ankle bone and he was hobbling around and Nelson said, "All right, here's my chance." Drop the puck off, got off yep. the ice. Barzal comes on full head of steam, circles the net. Everybody's at sixes and sevens on the Blues back line and Taves is open for the winner. Game over. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just. It's weird to me that you know it's almost like free throws in basketball or or bunting in baseball, um, where you see the pros and you say like, why don't these guys practice this thing? And three on three <laughs> to me, sometimes I watch these teams and it's it's exciting as hell. You know, the, there was an Edmonton I, Winnipeg overtime. I don't know if you saw the other night where there had to have been five two on ones or breakaways, both like for either team, and it was just insane, 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 back and forth, back and forth, and the fans love that stuff but that's not going to get you the extra point. What's going to do it is having that the the method and the, and being as deliberate as you can in an environment where everyone's looking to go 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 cuz they love having the open ice and that must be difficult for for a team. I mean the Islanders don't have the high-end skill that a lot of other teams have that they faced in these in these overtimes, but uh but you have to stick to what works and and clearly they're yeah. they're able to do that. And I to go along with that too, that St. Louis game, uh, watching it, it cracked me up. They showed a, the, the camera went to Barubi and Steve Ott on the bench and they both kind of went, when Nelson came out and like, you could see them kind of looking at each other like, who, why, who, is that who they're starting in a three on three? Like they couldn't believe that Brock Nelson and Broussard were out there to take the face off. Like, and they just kind of laughed it off. Cause you know, they got O'Reilly and Petrangelo and I, I Teres, who I can't remember the other problem. Sure, it was Tarasenko or whoever right. that might have been. You know, they've got their their big three that they want to go out and just finish it, and they kind of they kind of scoffed at it on the bench. Well, a minute or so later, you know, <laughs> who's laughing now? So it's it really is a it's a, it's amazing the commitment uh, that obviously that that Trotz and the coaching staff has in just that style. And hey, this is the way we're playing. We don't give a crap what people think about it. And if you keep looking at these numbers and it just continues to work when you've got players like you've got as uh, the unselfishness of Brock Nelson, knowing that he kind of hobbled their best defenseman, their captain for a moment, that's impressive right there in itself. The unselfishness right there, he recognizes it's best for me, for the team to get off right now. He most players, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you, I would bet that part of me would be like, you know, hey, he's kind of hurting. Maybe I could actually get the game winner tonight in the back of my head. But no, his commitment to the team, and that goes to the coaching, that right through the players, that their commitment to the systems to play their way, to play Barry Trotz hockey, to play New York Islander hockey. That's what's so impressive about that. And it's hey, I guarantee you, Baruby and, and Ott after the game are like, God damn it, they were right. Son of a <laughs> you know. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it seems like an opportunity to, to really flourish in that three on three and the Islanders by sticking to what they, what 
gives them success. And it's, you know, yeah. I think once you do it a couple of times, it's hard to, you know, Matthew Barzell's not going to say, put me out for that first face off. If you say like, yeah. Hey, have you seen her record here in overtime? Number, right. You're going Numbers second. don't lie. Numbers don't lie. <laughs> um, their forward group is still, uh, is still pretty hobbled. We haven't seen Casey yeah. Zizekas yet, although he did, he did come out for practice today. Uh, it doesn't sound like he'll be ready to go with one more practice tomorrow for, Thursday's the the start of three and four where they play Arizona at the Coliseum and then they go off to Ottawa on Friday and then back home for the Flyers. Uh, Jordan Eberle hasn't skated with the group, so he's pretty surely uh, out through the rest of the week. Um, they lost Leo Komarov to uh, to illness uh, in Columbus, had to call up Cole Bardrow for his NHL debut at age 26. He's a nice little story, a uh, guy who had about 240 AHL games, mostly with uh, in the Flyers system, undrafted out of Cornell, and uh, gets to make his NHL debut and played pretty well for you know kind of a nat- more natural fourth line centerman. Um, Tom Kunhockel got hurt in the Columbus game, finished it, but he hasn't practiced. So now we're getting to that you know like it happens to lots of teams where there's uh, there's more than a few bumps and bruises. You're missing a, f- a few regulars. Uh, when you start to get into the meat of your schedule and there's you're unsure of who's in and who's out, um, how much does this does this team's you know kind of lunch pail we over me attitude help them get through these stretches where you're missing some pretty key guys? It's it's everything uh, to have that commitment just to know that you're going to go out there if you're committed to the defensive structure. The guys that come up, then they're going to they're going to fall in line. Naturally, they'll fall in line. If well, if they don't fall in line, they're going to get a couple of shifts, and then they're going to sit right in front of Coach Trotz for the rest of the night and be the old opposite of a bookend. And uh, you've got to commit to that. And the other thing too that that goes along with that is the the big boys, Barzell stepping up, knowing with the the leaner lineup without this uh, the depth without the players that they have that they can usually lean on. He also knows that they can. They got to provide the offense. He has to provide the offense. Nelson, these guys have got to be now night in and night out. It's it's not fair to say, but when you go through spurts and moments like this, it's one how 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 committed is this team to their structure, and are they you know how committed are they to their more or less how are they committed to their coach? And right now they're showing that they absolutely love to play for Coach Trotz. And then the other side of it is, man, when it comes to this lean lineup, the the big boys got to be the big boys. Goalies are going to have to come up with a big save because you're going to get some guys out in situations where they're not used to it. Maybe they're not so comfortable. They might make a couple mistakes. So you really end up leaning a lot on your goaltending and you lean, lean a lot on your big boys at this moment in time. And then once you get that full lineup back, not that you want Barzell to take his foot off the gas or Nelson or whoever it may be at the moment, but at the same time, you can you can kind of sit back then roll four lines, pump the numbers back a little bit, pump the minutes back on Barzell, give those legs a little bit of a breather and hopefully rely more on the full team aspect. But the biggest thing is the commitment to their defensive structure and their commitment to playing that hard-nosed D zone, keeping two goals and under, playing for each other, and just being able to find that depth, finding those guys. It's a, it's also a, it's a feather in the cap for the, for the depth of a team that doesn't probably, doesn't maybe get a lot of credit that's that's in Bridgeport where these players can step in and they can play well enough to still win in the NHL. Yeah, and the, you know center depth has been 
kind of an issue for them over the last couple of years. And, and I think fans started to get a little more excited when they brought in Derek Broussard to kind of fill that, uh, that three C spot that Val Filpula yep. vacated, but also the development of a guy like Otto Koivula. Tanner Fritz has had some time in the NHL. He's a, he's a kind of a hybrid center wing type guy. Yep. When they brought in Bardro was just signed him to a, you know, a two way deal. It was one of those signings in the summer. You're like, okay, yeah, you got to fill out your, your roster a little bit, and he's uh, you know he's a guy who plays with an edge. Like I said, he's 26, so he's been around plenty, um, but never really got kid. Yeah, yeah, never got a sniff in the with the Flyers, and they've had some bad teams. So you sort of you know maybe you get a little bit of a label. And now through all of these, um, you know, it's like it's like the Price is Right you know Plinko game. The ball bounces <laughs> this way. Casey yeah. goes out. The ball bounces this way. Tanner Fritz leaves the, you know, misses the Bridgeport opener for personal reasons. He probably would have been the first guy they call up. Boom. Yeah. Cole Bardro is, is uh, on the ice for Bridgeport's morning skate for their home opener on Saturday, and then he's running through the airport in sweatpants and a blazer he borrowed from the Sound Tigers trainer, uh, running into the building in Columbus. Got there an hour and a half before puck drop, and then it's he's doing his solo lap. So it's uh, it's crazy how those things work out and. He's still here right now. Um, yeah, I would imagine he's going to get the assignment on Thursday to play between Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck like he did. And, and Barry Trotz said after he looked at the at the video from from Saturday night, he was kicking himself a little bit because he felt like he could have used those guys a little bit more. It ended up being Martin Barjo and, and Oliver Wallstrom on that fourth line, kind of through the back half of the game because he didn't really love what Wallstrom was bringing on the on the third line, but. Um, but yeah, it's it's important to have those guys, and the Islanders really haven't had them. You know, I think a lot of fans would always, were bristling over the last couple of years. Steven Jonta was a guy who got called up a couple of times before he uh, he hung him up at age 35 last at the end of last season, and people would be like, "Oh, why aren't we bringing up our young guys?" And I'd kind of be like, "What young guys? They don't. Yeah. <laughs> this is a this is an organization that's really really thin down the middle." And yeah. and Koivula has been a nice. A nice story last year, his first year in North America, where he tur- they turned him from a wing into a center, and he didn't miss a beat. Twenty-one goals in the AHL, but he's barely twenty-one years old. Um, yeah. Even if he were healthy, I'm not so sure he'd be the guy that they would turn to for a fourth line role. So it's it's important to have those guys that you can plug in if you're. Well, we're missing this top six guy, so we'll go with Oliver Wallstrom. So we're missing this fourth center. We'll go with a guy who's you know used to playing more of a with a little bit more snarl in his game. You know, in the AHL. Uh, who's been there for a while in Bardro. So it's uh, yeah. it's definitely a, a different environment than it's been in years past for this organization. Yeah, Lou's done a great job. And that's uh, that's the difficulty uh, in the American League is, is, is literally having that balance of, all right, we need some maybe some more veteran guys uh, like Bardro where we can bring him up and he can step in and he'll he's, he's an intelligent guy. He's been around the block. Yeah, maybe he hasn't as Finally, he's got his first game in the NHL, and congratulations. That's awesome. I love that he stick with it, stuck with it. Those stories always make, and no matter how long you play in the NHL, those stories just make your heart warm. Guys that just, they, they've earned that right. And so you, you've got a guy like that as well as Wallstrom. So, you got, so you've, you've got in the American League, you've got to develop. How do you develop your talent and leave room for that? But as well, in case of emergency, where's my Band-Aid? You know, is this a good time to, to, to force a guy that we're still trying to develop into an NHL or into a role where we just need to find points? The, the NHL and uh, Eastern Conference, Western Conference, no, no matter where it is, points are just so important. Winning and just getting these W's day in and day out. So that's where you look at Lou and he's done a very good job with that by bringing in a guy like Bardro and then 
you've also developing your young skill as well. And so you can have that difference. You, you know, you find that balance in the American League to make it easy for a call up in the NHL. So when your young talent is flying and red hot and you need a top six guy, awesome. There it is. Let's go. Let's see what he does. Hey, let's maybe even get a chance to give him a little bit of a power play moment if it's if things work out that way. Or if it's like, all right, hey, we need a third line center. We need a fourth line center. We need a guy that's going to be come in here and, and just get down and dirty and get down to business and play his game. And which is perfect because those are the guys that you don't necessarily notice. And I'm not surprised at all that Coach Trotz watches the video after and went, damn it, he played amazing, you know, because <laughs> he's doing his job if you don't really notice him. So then, right. you know, so then he looks back later and that's, hey, but that the great thing about that is that will stay in Coach Trotz's head. Like that's, that's stuck right there. Next game, he's going to get a more opportunity. He's going to get another chance to, hey, maybe make his mark and, you know, show that he is a legit NHL or possibly. And that's, so that's, it's kudos to uh, coaching, to, to Lou, to everybody for, for finding that balance in the American League and, and having different players ready for different situations or different call ups. Yeah. And, and you, in this instance and in instances like this, where you see a Cole Bardrow, a, a nice story or a, a longtime AHL, NHL guy who suddenly materializes in your organization, you have to give kudos to Lou and Chris Lamarillo, who's the Bridgeport GM for yeah. convincing ownership that these guys are worth paying for, because it's not an expense that owners think about. These guys no. cost money. It's, and it's, you say, wait a second, I'm going to give 175 grand guaranteed <laughs> to a guy who's never played in the NHL and is, exactly. is already in his mid-20s? Like, what are you, nuts? And then you end up with five or six of those guys because you want an environment in your farm team that mirrors what you have in the NHL, which is young guys who are learning from older guys. And the Islanders, for a long time under Charles Wong, God love him and God rest his soul, he was not willing to do that. And I think that really hurt yep. Garth Snow and his ability to develop talent uh, especially among his forwards, in that there just wasn't, they just always had a really odd mix in Bridgeport, and it was a straight yep. financial concern. And now Lou has definitely convinced the owners that this is something that's hugely important. That's why you've got guys like Steve Bernier down there, Colin McDonald, mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. are, you know, who are, understand where they are in their careers, and they're playing for. 200 grand 250 grand or so and uh, and really they're not neither of those guys are on nhl contracts even so they're they know yeah. the score and um they're there to help the oliver wallstroms and even the cole Brodros of the of the world you know get ready to get that call up and uh, and that stuff doesn't always appear uh as obvious to uh to fans and even to owners as it as it should because uh <laughs> because it is important it is it and i that was I love doing that. Was my role my last couple of years? I just I wanted to, I wanted to keep playing hockey, uh, maybe a little for selfish reasons where I, my kids were getting to an age where I hope they could maybe remember it. But <laughs> it was that same thing that player coach where I knew my role. I, I knew that it, like the chances of me getting called up to the NHL again were very slim to none. I got lucky enough to get a few sneak in a few more games here and there, but that it was fun being that player coach. And, and helping develop kids, it, it, the, the younger kids. I, I really love doing that. So I love hearing other guys that are that are willing and, and want to do that. And yes, it was, uh, I, I had the same, you know, hey, I had a couple teams that would contact me and the it was same things, literally verbatim of what you said. Like, sorry, we just, he just, he's not going to, he doesn't want to pay 200, 250 grand for a guy that's past his prime and doesn't have a chance of getting in the NHL, even though 
they knew that, that that's what I wasn't there for that. I was there for, I knew my role, everything. So it is for, for, uh, for Lou to step up, for the ownership to step up, for everybody to step up. That's just all working, going to work out very well for the Islanders. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an important and, and kind of unnoticed thing. Uh, speaking yeah. of some of those kids, or at least one of those kids, Oliver Wallstrom, we certainly talked about him a lot last week and, and he came out uh, with his hair on fire against St. Louis, which was really great to see for the organization and for him. Uh, last two games, you know, uh, he's had some chances, and, and I think uh, the, his ability to generate his own scoring chances, as we talked about a little bit, and he's definitely done that in the last two games. But I think the other parts, the attention to detail, you know, it's yeah. it's it's hard to keep that adrenaline pumping. And, and Barry mentioned it today that obviously he wasn't as good in his third game as he was in his first game Columbus we just mentioned he was playing with Bardro and and Matt Martin towards the back half of that game in Columbus and not really getting kind of key offensive minutes in a tie game uh, and one where the Islanders were starting to have the you know the the ice tilted a little bit on them to back half of the second period so Eberly when he's healthy wherever that happens next week the week after that's where you start to wonder where is Oliver Wallstrom's game going to be and you know I think we saw it Last season, Josh Hosang came up when Eberly was out. He played 10 games. His first couple were great. Next few were okay, and then they started to slip a little bit. Yep. And it was an easy decision, it sounded like, for, for Lou Lamarill and Barry Trotz to send Josh Hosang back after those 10 games when Eberly got healthy. When Eberly gets healthy this time, the same thing may happen. And it's, I guess, um, how do you keep people from kind of throwing their hands up and saying same old Islanders when one of their star <laughs> prospects doesn't come up and just Wally Pip, whoever is going to, you know, whoever's <laughs> the guy that's already there. It's, it's, you know, that's, it's the world we live in, right? Everybody, yep. everybody vents online yep. and it's, it's not always the, the deepest thought that you have, but, but it is, it is interesting to see. This is probably the most, you know, outside of Barzal, this is the most exciting forward prospect they've had in a couple of years and he did play great at his first game, and he had, did hit a crossbar in Columbus, and he's come very close to his first goal a couple of times. But you have to be able to do all the other little things to, to stick, and and, uh, and that's the part that I think some people have a little bit more trouble accepting. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's and it's hard to be in that situation. You, 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 the, the the ninety percent of the game is your play away from the puck. That cannot slip. Uh, to what we spoke last week about with Wallstrom is, hey, great, he had a good first game. How will how, will will he will he be able to find that consistency? The, the consistency of an NHL player to where, you know what? Sometimes the game's not nice. Sometimes as a winger, I it felt like it was weeks, and the puck would just never come to me in the offensive zone. Like I just, it, it was, it would be so frustrating. And even your line mates, I mean, like backhand base is just like, oh man, I can't believe it. You know, like the, the, the more people try and force it to you, the less it gets to you. But the one thing that cannot change is your play away from the puck. You cannot be a liability. You cannot let anything else slip. You can't let that get to you. You can't be frustrated. And when you're, especially when you're young, it's even harder because you're trying to establish yourself. And you know, as a top six, as a, he knows his game is a top six forward. He's a scorer. He's a guy that's got to put numbers on the board. He's got to put points on the board. So you want to force that. Like he, he wants to, he wants to establish himself so bad. And this is not a negative thing by any means. It's just the, 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 this is the learning curve as a scorer in the NHL. He's trying to force that. 
every post he hits, every crossbar he hits, all of a sudden there's a little, you know, in his mind like, oh, I got it. This one's got to go in. The next one's got to go in. You put more and more pressure. That's we will always put more pressure on ourselves to score and succeed than any other media or the fans or anything else. We always we just expect that from ourselves at a young age as a scorer. And I guarantee you, Wallstrom is no different. So he's just with each game, with each shift, with each period that it just won't go in, then he's kind of he, he's getting more and more focused on that. And then you let something slip defensively. And it doesn't take long for a coach to realize like, hey, uh, you maybe didn't cost us any goals yet, but holy hell, you gave up some serious scoring chances that those guys, everybody else had to bail you out on. And that's where you have to stick. That's the hard part. That's learning to be professionals. That, that frustration cannot get into any other part of your game. It just can't. And you're starting to see that with his numbers start to go down, with his minutes start to go down, with his, you know, and, and I, it, as much as, you know, just like Barzell just kind of needed one to go bounce in, Matthew Barzell's established himself as an NHLer. So he, he can go through those moments and those points where, where he, maybe it's not working offensively. He's going to, he's proven himself to where he's going to get that as a young guy. You've got to learn to just stick with the play away from against the play away from the puck. You can't be a liability. You've got to take care of your own end. You've still got to you still got to be a positive attitude, which sometimes you don't realize. You don't, you know, you're the, the happy-go-lucky, energetic young kid, and then a couple of games later, a couple posts, a couple bad things. All of a sudden, your minutes go down, and all of a sudden, you kind of you kind of retreat inside yourself. And you're not so happy, and you kind of you're quiet, and you seem concerned. Well, that doesn't look good either, because as a mature hockey player, you, you your mentality doesn't change. And it's it's just the learning curve. It, it it is what it is. It's 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 frustrating. It's and it's hard for fans to to recognize or accept that too. Because hey, well, geez, he he, he created a couple of scoring chances. Like uh, I mean, he hit the post, and I mean, what the heck? What are you looking for? Well, you're looking for that consistency everywhere else. At that point, if he's giving up as many chances as he's getting. Uh, I mean, he's kind of lucky that the other end hasn't gone into his own net at this point. Otherwise, he wouldn't even be in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, and and I think we talked a little about roles with Bardro. Mm-hmm. You know, Oliver Wallstrom playing on the fourth line is useless to the Islanders. He, yeah, that, that'd be like when, me on the fourth line. Like, what the hell am <laughs> right, I going to do right, back then there? You've gotta, then he's got to go back to the minors and, and get yeah. back playing top line, power, top uh, power play, exactly. all that other stuff. So we'll have to not, see. Because you're not doing him any good, any favors in development either by doing that. Yeah. For sure. Uh, well, I think we've uh, we've covered what we needed to cover. We've got uh, three games in four nights starting on Thursday. Uh, the Coyotes come to town. Then they are off. To, the honors are off to see uh, old friend Jack Capuano, associate coach of the Senators, up in Ottawa. Yeah, and then uh, and then Alain Vigneault and the Flyers come to the Coliseum on Sunday. So we'll have a lot more uh, new information at our disposal next week. Great stuff as always, my friend. And. Uh, That's it for No Sleep Till Belmont this week. Appreciate everybody out there listening, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thanks again. Thanks again.